On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we recap the Kansas-Omaha game. Kansas with a opening night victory over Omaha. Biggest takeaways, goats of the game, that on today's show. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. You can also hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday on KLWN in Lawrence. And you can get Locked on Jayhawks wherever you get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube. So please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. And on today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we go over the Kansas victory over Omaha last night, 89 to 64 in their regular season opener we saw the Pitt State game for the exhibition who stood out what stood out from the game but first this episode is brought to you by bet online um and you know if you're looking for a perfect spot to place any bets on the KU basketball action college action whatever it is over the course of the upcoming season bet online has you covered with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts so we talk about the KU Omaha game here on this edition of Locked on Jayhawks and overall a good opener for KU. Uh, they didn't cover the spread. It was, you know, opened around 32 and a half. By the time it tipped off, it was around 33 and a half, 34, depending when you got it. Um, they didn't cover the spread. And, you know, you had some flashes where Omaha, I think, cut it to seven. It was 50 to 43, I believe about four or so minutes into the second half where you're going, what's going on here? Because Omaha is by far the the worst team that KU is going to play, at least preseason, what you expect on KU's schedule for the regular season. They are in the 300s in Ken Palm. Like everyone else is around like 200 or higher. Um, Like Southern Utah is in the top 200. North Dakota State is just outside of the top 200. So the fact that you let them kind of sneak back into it and didn't really fully get all over them until maybe the last five or six minutes of the game. I mean, if we're just picking nits, you could say, oh, but, but again, it's the first game of the season. You had a lot of new players. You still won the game by 25 points. And if you make a couple free throws at the end there, then it's 27. And if you just make some free throws in general, then it's even more like KU struggled at the free throw line. So uh, overall, good opener. You got some key flashes from key players. You got a big win, no injuries you know, success in the first game of the season. It's not like a scalding failure. It's not like a huge throw parade success, but overall successful in the opener. Uh, You're a bit lethargic as times, as I mentioned, there were different stretches where maybe you struggled to score for a few minutes here or there. That's, I don't know, like that. that's not something that's new to college basketball in general. Like teams just tend to uh, go on runs just around the country. Like even last year's team had long stretches of time where they didn't find ways to score. Can you keep up with defensively and can you at least have enough guys that can get you out of those ruts consistently enough? That's going to be kind of the key for you over the course of the season. And the good news for Kansas is even though offensively at times, I do wonder how Kansas will consistently score against good defenses, which you're going to play a lot of them in the big 12. And if they're going to have enough options out there who can go get a bucket for you, But if Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick are as good on that end as they have been to open up the season, 24 in the exhibition for Jalen Wilson, 19 last night. So you look at the the two games, so to speak, he would be averaging over 20 a game. For Grady Dick, 
you're talking about him putting up you know 20 or, or 21 or something in the exhibition game and then he puts up the 23 to lead the way last night looked so good shooting the ball like it, it's unbelievable how pure his shot looks that might have been the biggest takeaway of this that uh just how elite he looked with the shot i mean the the straight on three from NBA range, uh, whether it's you know just catching and shooting, coming off a screen, able to square up the body, um, even if there's a man kind of in his face because he gets up so high and he's six eight and he puts the ball like as high as you possibly can to shoot the basketball, it's it's going to be really hard to stop. And I know it's just one game, and we've seen other guys go off before. I think it was the stat that uh, it's the most points by a true freshman in his first game for Kansas since Xavier Henry in 2009 when he had, I think, 27. Um, and Xavier Henry had an unbelievable season. He wasn't called upon to be, like, the top option because that team had, you know, Sharon Collins and Cole Aldridge and it had the Morris Twins and Tyshawn Taylor and whatnot. He was kind of the third option on that team, but he shot super efficiently. He's one of the more forgotten, really good freshman seasons for KU. He averaged, like, 14 a game, shot, like, 40% from three. Uh, I think if you got those things from Grady Dick, you'd be very happy with it. But maybe that's shooting too low. Now, you also have the Quentin Grimes one where it's like he scored all these points and shot this well from three. But Quentin Grimes was never known coming in as being like a just dead-eye shooter. He's turned into that like in what he was at Houston his last year and, and now what he is in the NBA. But when he first came in, he was more of a you know all-around complete player. Like that was the talk, and he just happened to get hot that night. With Grady Dick, the scouting report and all the evidence was he's going to be a good shooter. So this is evidence to back that up as opposed to just maybe a one-off, which makes me think, even though it is just the opener, even though it is just Omaha, like I, I, I'm i so much more confident that, because coming into that, it's still a true freshman. Like if Grady Dick's going to lead your team in shooting, what if he only shoots 35, 36%? I've seen enough from one game, I guess one in an exhibition game, so really two, to say, yeah, he's going to be shooting high 30s, maybe in the 40%, and you're going to be comfortable with him taking lots and lots of threes. But, but that duo of Jalen and Grady Dick if they can be both a lead on that end, it's it's not the same as like the 2020 team because that team was so dominant and it's different because one guy is down low and one guy is a perimeter player and that defense was so elite that if they had that good of a defense and then they just had two guys basically carry them on offense with enough supporting cast of guys who could hit open shots on the outside with Christian Brown and Isaiah Moss and Ochag Baji, that, that team had enough offense. So if this team can be a top five defense, that's the recipe for success. Be a top five defense and then have two guys who are, you know, top 20 players in college basketball, top, two of the top five or seven players in the Big 12. Because if Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick are that good of an offensive duo, that's going to raise your floor to just being a top 20, top 15 offense on its own. And so if you can come around on the defense, which does have a lot of parts to make you think they could be really good defensively with Kevin McCuller, Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, and possibly the growth of some of these centers like Ernest Uday and Zuby Edge for as shot blockers, that's how this team reaches its ceiling and can be a top five, top 10 team really throughout the season. But if one of those guys regresses at all, or you're not getting one of those nights, I do have that question kind of right now of who's going to be the other guys to step up to kind of make those shots. But as of right now, you can make a real argument that Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick are going to end up as both top five players in the Big 12 and both end up on, you know, maybe one ends up a first team or second team All-American. Another one ends up a third team or honorable mention, which means essentially you would have two of the top 20 or 25 players, maybe even two of the top 15 players in the country. And the recipe when you have that is that you're going to have a really, really good team. Um, it's, it's obviously one small game overall, you know, against uh, the worst regular season opponent Kansas is going to play, but 
I, I think you got to like overall. You saw them shoot well. A lot of that was Grady Dick, but you know we saw that from Jalen Wilson and stuff too. Uh, they threw down some impressive dunks, the Grady uh, Dick dunk, and um, that's going to be such a, a fun thing to say this year, Dick dunk. Um, and you know we had the Ernest Uday just continuing to be a, a lob threat, like that's going to be his thing all season long. Uh, you're going to have some stretches where um, this team can really lock down defensively, and and they're still. You know, I'm sure working through things as any team is early in the season, but they have, like I said, the personnel there. We saw the star, star power of Jalen and Grady, and then even some nice complimentary performances from some role players like a Bobby Pettiford and whatnot. So uh, overall, successful opener for Kansas basketball in the first game that I guess counts of the regular season. All right, in just a moment, we're going to get on to our goats of the game for KU basketball, but first... This episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Nissan. And this week's thrilling moment in college football, switching gears back to college football, is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it absolutely has to be the Jason Bean long-rushing touchdown. Uh, KU starts up 10-0. Oklahoma State goes down, scores a touchdown. We've got a game. It's 10 to 7 in the second quarter. Jason Bean breaks free over a 70-yard rushing touchdown, cuts to the right, weaves back to the left, breaks through a couple tackles, and then he's off to the races and kind of just gets enough carrying kind of the guy from behind from about the five who tries to stretch out and, and bring down the back of his jersey, but he finds his way into the end zone. Unbelievable run, and that was the play that just kind of opened everything up for KU, and it was super excited. The radio call with Brian Haney was awesome, as always. That was the thrilling moment of the week. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Goats of the game for KU against Omaha. We'll start with the good goats. Jalen Wilson, he almost had a triple-double. 19 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, again, continue to look in control for you. The jump shot looked a lot better. He went three of seven from downtown. So first of all, him taking seven, like maybe that's not something that'll happen every game, but that shows a lot of confidence. And the fact that he hit three of them looks good, but it's not just the three pointers either. We saw him hit a couple, I don't know, two or three mid-range shots, like at the end of shot clocks on, on some occasions, other times curling around a screen, like plays that you saw for Ochag Baji last year. That was a really good sign for KU with him shooting the basketball. Again, it's one game, and it's it's just the uh, Omaha game for the first one of the season, but you'd rather it happen than him go 0 for 7, right? So uh, good trend, and if that continues to stack up games for Jalen, that'll be a really good sign for what his season could be and what this team season could be, because you do need him to be a legit shooter this year to kind of reach whatever heights you want to go to. But he was just in control, in command, looked super calm out there. The leader of the team, that was uh, impressive stuff in the opener for Jalen Wilson. Good goat for Grady Dick. Led the team, 23 points, 9 of 13 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3. The shot, as I mentioned, unbelievably pure. Um, I think I mentioned on a previous show, I don't know, maybe it was RCST. Uh, I was talking with Scott Chasen off the air and, and he made the player comp of, of Ben McElmore and I loved it. Like, because you're talking about a guy in Ben McElmore who was an unbelievable shooter, had an unbelievable stroke, 
had that great season. Now with Ben, it was a redshirt freshman season, but I think you kind of expect similar things here. And if I said Grady Dick's going to have a Ben McElmore season where he averaged like 15 points per game and, you know, hits a, I don't know, buzzer beating shot to, to keep you in overtime alive in a big 12 game off the window in Allen Fieldhouse and KU is going to be a one seed. Like you would take all those things. So uh, yeah, Grady Dick goat of the week or, or goat of the day. And uh, yeah, unbelievable performance from him in his first time in a regular season game in Allen Fieldhouse. How about KJ Adams, man? There still are questions about how KJ is going to fit into the offense if guys like Kevin McCuller, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris can't be good enough shooters because the shot isn't there. It doesn't look good. He took another one, which again, I appreciate the aggressiveness for back to back games because if you can even get the defense to respect you out there to guard you, that is basically what you're going for here. It's less about can you make them. It's more about can you open up the lanes uh, inside um, offensively. We also saw him take a post up and ended in kind of a awkward-looking turnaround fadeaway that, that didn't go in. But forget about the scoring. He did score four points. He was unbelievable in doing every little thing you could imagine. He had nine rebounds. And by the way, I double-took this when I looked at the stat sheet. I was wait, what? That, that can't be right. Nine rebounds. Usually when you see nine rebounds, it's like, oh, you know, maybe he had six defensive rebounds, three offensive rebounds. And and, and I saw eight and one. And I was like, okay, he had eight defensive rebounds, one offensive rebound. And they're like, wait, what? What? He had eight offensive rebounds and one defensive rebound? Like, usually the, the, the defensive rebounds are the easier ones to get. That's actually been something that has been brought up, I remember, last year, that he's a really, really good offensive rebounder, but he needs to... Um, maybe improve or, or strengthen his game as a defensive rebounder. So you still do have the questions of, can he be a good enough defensive rebounder? Uh, but offensive rebounding wise, there's a chance he could be like the best offensive rebounder in the big 12 or one of them. Like we've heard a lot of the comparisons to Mark vital. That's what Mark vital was for Baylor. And I think KJ Adams could be that the good news though, if there is a deficiency at all in the defensive rebounding game, Jalen Wilson is one of the best defensive rebounders in the big 12. Like Jalen Wilson had, um, 11 rebounds in the game. And I think nine or 10 of them were on the defensive glass. So if you just think about it that way, the front court duo of KJ Adams and Jalen Wilson, you could hypothetically have the best offensive rebounder and the best defensive rebounder is different guys. That's going to be quite a combo for KU and for a team that maybe will struggle a little bit more to score in the half court consistently. Get some extra possessions, get some extra offensive rebounds. So that was really exciting. He made so many hustle plays. It wasn't just the rebounds. How, how about the passing? I, I mentioned after the exhibition game, you know, one thing, even if he can't shoot, has to show more confidence as a dribbler, a driver. And he's always been a good passer and putting stress on the defense that way. And I think we were seeing that. And we saw it again. He had four assists in that game. He also had a block, made some other hustle plays. Uh, locked up defensively. I, I I love me some KJ Adams. He's one of my favorite players to watch on the floor because it's not just about, you know, are you a sniper? Are you hitting shots? Like those guys are super fun too. Don't get me wrong. But there's something beautiful about being able to impact a game the way that he does without necessarily scoring a lot of points. Uh, the last good goat for the game, Bobby Pettiford. He had 13 points, went six of seven from the field, kind of in, in vain with Jalen Wilson. So Bobby Pettiford didn't make a single three last season as a true freshman. He shot two of them, and he made one of them. I think that, I mean, I mean, it was such a limited sample last year. I think he was like 0 for 3 from downtown. So we didn't really know if it was, because obviously the playing time waned as the season went on, and he was dealing with the injury. We didn't really know if it was, he can't really shoot, and that's why he's not taking them. Is it just he's not getting as many opportunities? What's the confidence level there? What not? 
for him to play next to Dewan Harris consistently, because we, we think of him as the backup point guard to Dewan, but for him to really get a big role on the team, he needs to be able to play minutes next to Dewan. And to do that, you're going to have to be able to shoot. So again, good sign that he took a couple and then he made one as well the first of his career. He also had two assists and two steals in the game. Okay, bad goats for the game. The true centers. So if I said centers in general, I guess that would count KJ Adams, and we had KJ Adams in the good goats, so uh, that wouldn't apply. But if we're talking about the true centers, the guys who you just think of as the traditional five men for KU, which I guess, I don't know, that's still, does that even include like a guy like Zach Clemens? But regardless, you, you know what I mean? It's it's basically with Cam Martin out, the true centers on your team are Zach Clements, Ernest Uday, and Zuby Edgefer. It just, it, it still doesn't really feel like KU has figured out the rotation there and and getting everybody moving together and and that's not like unexpected it's the first game of the season um but like at times I think you saw Kansas maybe labor offensively because they couldn't throw the ball down low in the post for a couple reasons one whether it was somebody who could just turn over a shoulder and and hit a shot or back down into an angle and and get a shot or just kind of move the ball and, and get a post touch that was going to condense the defense to maybe open something else up on the outside. Like KU was certainly missing that at times in yesterday's game. And there's going to be times this year where KU doesn't just need that possession to score, but they're going to be going against a true center that they need a true center of their own to kind of come through. And to be clear, um, no one is doing that. So might as well, like get the advantages that KJ Adams provides and keep playing him at the five, because if nobody's scoring in the post, then if that's the one knock against, well, if we play KJ at the five, we don't have a you know post threat offensively, but nobody else is doing it. And then KJ does a lot of the other things better. Um, but Uday, Edgefer, and Clements combined played 22 minutes. They scored just five points. Now, they did have 11 rebounds, so that's, that's a good number, 11 rebounds in 22 minutes from your center position, especially when you add in what you know Jalen Wilson and KJ Adams were doing but also a, a smaller team and a team you should bully on the boards. But just five points in 22 minutes from those three guys at center, that's not good enough. Like David McCormick was playing 20 to 25 minutes in a game, and he was getting you, you know, I guess it depended game to game, but a couple of years ago he was getting you like 13. Last year he was getting you nine or 10. Uh, you need probably at least 10 points in, out of 20 minutes from your centers there to at least keep it respectable. And it also depends how you're getting them, right? Like, if they're all rim rolls, if they're all dunks, like maybe that's not the same as, as being able to hit a couple uh, hooks inside that force a double team, right? It, it is a little bit different, but nobody really gained a rhythm or made a big impact, and, and there are no really resounding takeaways. Oh, that center was the best, like by far. Like Ernest Duday certainly seemed to have the most trust and logged the most minutes, and Clements and Edgefer. Like Edgefer didn't come on until the very end. Clements came on briefly in the first half and then at the very end as well. So I guess that tells you Uday has the advantage there, but it's not like... You know, one of them performed way better than the other in that game. Uh, the last bad goat is the free throw shooting. Kansas was just eight of 15 on free throws in that game, which if you, you know, go 12 of 15, then I don't know, you're closer to covering the spread, I guess, depending on uh, what you got it as. Eh, probably not. I still guess that that doesn't do it. But uh, free throw shooting, nobody ever looked really confident in being able to do that. Not really worried. Small sample size. First game of the season. Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. Uh, next up, Kansas takes on North Dakota State. Let's discuss that in just a moment here. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks brought to you by Bet Bet Online um, Bet Online 
sportsbook.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and even esports. They've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix in. And you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. You can get Kansas plus four against Texas Tech for the football game. I haven't seen the line come out for the KU North Dakota State game on Thursday in basketball. You could hit on that as well. Whenever the line does come out, it'll be out before the game. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, back to the action. KU takes on North Dakota State on Thursday. And by the way, on tomorrow's show, we're going to be joined by Michael Swain of fog.net and 24 7 sports and we're going to talk some uh ku football again we might do a little ku basketball with michael too uh but north dakota state is the game coming up on thursday um actually scratch that michael's joining the show on thursday we're gonna we're gonna do a a football deep dive on tomorrow's show uh but let's see how different the rotation is for the north dakota state game because it felt pretty set on monday night like you know, there were times where it was like, okay, you know, this is the rotation. It's the five starters with KJ and Jalen, and then Bobby Pettiford's the guard off the bench, and Ernest Uday's the the big off the bench, and then everybody else is just competing for scrap minutes. Like, those are the guys that felt it, it carved away right to them right away. Uh, so we'll see if that changes at all in the next game. Otherwise, I mean, it already does give you a bit of an indication of what the coaching staff is thinking, but if it changes up at all, it certainly would be interesting to see if they're like, all right, this next game is going to be like how Michigan in football, right? They had one quarterback start the first game. They had a different quarterback start the second game. And then they decided from there, like, what if they go, okay, this game, we're going to have Zach Clements be the first big off the bench, or this game, we're going to have Zuby Edifer be the first big off the bench and see how they each handle it. And then we'll kind of figure out a rotation from there. Uh, certainly if nobody capitalizes on the role, even if they have the bigger role early on in the season, eventually other guys are going to get a chance. And if they take advantage of that chance, who knows what happens to the lineup. So even if it does feel like that's the rotation early in the season, it's not like it can't change, but it definitely seemed like that was going to be the case. So let's see how different any of that is for Monday night's game. And if anybody plays more or, or less after the opening game of the season, as far as North Dakota state goes, they are in the same league as Omaha, but they're a better team. Like Omaha predicted to be one of the, the few worst teams in the summit league. Uh, this season, North Dakota State's supposed to be a top half team, like third or fourth place is kind of the expectation. It's like South Dakota State, Oral Roberts are like the top two. And then there's kind of that next tier and North Dakota State is, is part of that. Typically, they're pretty good. They almost came in down Fieldhouse a couple of years ago. I think that was the gosh, was that the, the 1920 season? I don't remember. Uh, no, maybe it was, I think it was 20 to 21 because I think Tyon Grant Foster had like a big game for KU, which that's certainly a throwback, even though it was only a couple of seasons ago. Um so North Dakota State, not a bad team. They uh, covered the spread against Arkansas last night, who's supposed to be one of the, the better teams in the country and has a very talented squad, although Arkansas was out without Nick Smith, who's you know maybe the best uh, freshman recruit in the country. Uh, but they're certainly a very interesting team in North Dakota State. It'll be a step up in competition from Omaha, but certainly one that KU should be able to handle and uh, keep them at arm's length. But if you have a lulling period where you did, where when Omaha got down seven, like against North Dakota State, maybe it's a tie game, something like that. So uh, certainly interested to see how much KU improves from one game to the next. All right, coming up on tomorrow's show, like I said, I, I flubbed that. Michael Swain's going to join us on Thursday. Tomorrow's show, we're going to do a KU football deep dive with 
their proficiency in the red zone offensively. We're going to do an homage to Devin Neal, and we're going to get to a What If Wednesday. If you have anything that you'd like for the show to talk about, you can follow along on the action wherever your podcasts or on YouTube. You can also find me on Twitter at D Johnson Radio. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked On Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today. Bye.